Yo, 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 everybody, it's Stretch Armstrong. And my name is Bobito Garcia, aka Cool Bob Love. If you love this podcast you are listening to, you should check out our new show, What's Good with Stretch and Bobito. This is not your average interview show. We're going to be telling stories that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Find it on Apple Podcasts, the NPR One app, or however you find your podcast. It's What's Good. Hey, y'all, this is Sam's Aunt Betty. Today on the show, NPR reporter, Camilla Dominoski and NPR editor Barry Hardiman. All right, let's start the show. Ah, she said my name. <laughs> hey y'all, Hi. Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. Um, I'm loving this song. As you know, there's no theme music. We start with a different song each week. I'll get to this one in a bit because I love it so much. I feel Everyone's like Camilla bopping. and I are just, yeah. Yeah. we're like actually maybe yeah. have like a secret choreography. I right? We all see our shoulders moving <laughs> yeah. right now. Like there's a lot moving. Yeah. It's good. So we are talking to you guys from NPR headquarters in Washington, D.C. with, as you heard, Barry Hardman, editor with NPR's Weekend Edition and from NPR's two-way blog where you literally cover everything. Pretty Camilla. much. All yeah. The things that happen. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. True. She once did a story for us on space poop. All the things. <laughs> Literally all the things. Literally all the things. That's true. So, Even more things considered. Yes, That's what we Yes, yes. So we're here to talk about what happened this week in the news, the culture, and everything. Today we're talking about so many things. Elon Musk and artificial intelligence, student loans, a 90s R&B singer who is so back, and yes, the president's New York Times interview. But first, I want to talk about this song. It's my song of the summer. It is awesome. Like, right? I feel like it's twilight it's... and I'm in a convertible. <laughs> exactly. And the car is real nice. <laughs> the song is called Rollin'. I've been rolling on the freeway. I've been finding 85. It's Calvin Harris featuring Future and Khaled, a singer. Future. Future is the mumble rap rapper future. of note right now. Well, I, I listen to The Reed, so I like, you know about mostly Future. Future is like, I just Shout out The Reed. Yes. Shout out The Reed. But this song, it's just like vibing music, mm-hmm. right? It's Friday. Yeah. Yes. Guys. Oh my god. It Friday is. Music. It is Friday. Right? Oh, <laughs> That's so, what a wonderful realization. Like, I'm almost yeah. glad when I forget so that I can remember yes. yeah. and just yeah. feel that rush. Yeah. So our friends at NPR Music, they have coined the term rosé wave to describe a kind of music that's kind of a lifestyle of being chill. Yeah. Spotify, you can like listen to the rosé wave playlist. Yes, it's really good. It's like 75 songs. Lars Gottrich created it. Rosé being the wine varietal that is really popular right now. I know you're Uh, explaining that to other people. And not to the person that like keeps six bottles in my basement. Just in case. Exactly. So anyway, Calvin Harris, Khaled, Future, Rose Wave. Mm. This is my song of the summer. I, I, it's, it's fast becoming mine. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait, why is it fading out? Yeah. Is it, bring it back, bring it back. I don't understand. Oh, like, so can't we just song. like run it down to the whole thing? Like, it's real good. It up. It's real good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Oh, gotta yeah. be, it's news time. Mm, it's news I know. Time. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, we'll dance right. again at the end. I promise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we start the way that we always do. I want us each to describe our week of news in three words. Whoever wants to go first can go first. Um, So this is not a story that I wrote about, but WAMU had a piece about interns in Washington, D.C. Shout out member station Mm -hmm. WAMU. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So pay your interns Mm. is my three words. That's a good three Mm. words. Say it again. Pay (laughs) your interns. Yeah. And shout out to my friend Carla who tweeted about this too. And like reach. this is, you know, 
not an original thought, but DC right now uh-huh. is filled with all of these interns mm-hmm. who are working for free, who are mm-hmm. working for the federal government. And living mm-hmm. like seven for and eight free. to a studio apartment. Yeah. yeah. Getting on my nerves. Uh-huh. No, I know. <laughs> and there's like, you know, the bars that have the incredibly cheap food and they go out because they need to feed themselves, <laughs> right. right? Like right. the happy hour specials that they're looking for are literally where are their free tacos because oh, yeah. they're trying to eat and they're also pay rent mm-hmm. in this incredibly expensive city. And that's the ones that could get here. A lot of them can't even come because they're not getting paid. There's no way to make it work. And it limits who has access Mm -hmm. to these opportunities Mm -hmm. that are incredibly important. And it's not just the federal government. There's all kinds of places that aren't paying their interns Mm -hmm. that should be paying their interns. We didn't always pay ours. Right. Yeah. And that was crazy. And and things looked a lot different around here once we started. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's not just D.C. Like, this is a nationwide problem. Mm -hmm. And then there are the times when... People are interning and paying for the privilege because they're Uh getting college credit and Mm -hmm. paying their colleges to give them college credit for something where they're providing their work for free. Yes. It's a rotten system. Yeah. I know some industries still do this, but I miss the days of like the apprenticeship. Yes. Yeah, here's how to make a shoe. And we're going to pay you in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what Wait, are your three right. words? My three words yeah. are um, uh, love's holding hands. I don't uh, know if you guys read the New York Times. Uh, I know you did. Uh, the the full was, transcript yeah. of uh, President Trump's interview with um, the three uh, intrepid New York Times reporters, Maggie yeah. Haberman, Michael Schmidt, and Peter Baker. Um, Want to give them credit because, gosh— they got access. They got access that was just, I mean, it was really fascinating. I spent a good part of my day yesterday just going to all the places I could hear, mm-hmm. read, mm-hmm. see. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> so she, so he's talking so about Macron. he's talking Macron. about, exactly, about Emmanuel Macron, who is mm-hmm. the French president, of course, and he'd just come back from this um, uh, trip to see Bastille Day, to see the parade. And, uh, you know, he's saying about Macron that, you know, this guy, you know, he really, he really, he loves holding hands. He loves holding my hands. And actually, if you go back and you look at that tape, mm-hmm. it's like a 30-second handshake and then, uh, then just like looking at the crowd holding hands. Yeah, I know. You know, um, Trump is One like, of them kisses one of the wives yeah, while still holding the other right, guy's it's like, hand. don't want to let go of you. Like, I do that, you know, I mean, like, it was like they were getting married and you, like, lean off to the side to kiss a bridesmaid kind of deal. <laughs> and then, you know, there was like a pat on the chest and a pat on the back. I mean, it was so so amazing. And, you know, what was what was so interesting about it? I mean, there are a couple of things is that, A, it was he was clearly joking a little bit. That guy loves holding hands. But it was also um, it to me drove home that in the moment where his granddaughter comes in the room uh, during the interview. Yes. During the interview that no matter what people think about the wisdom of giving this interview in which he was, um, you know, extremely open on a number of subjects that I'm sure his lawyers are not oh the happiest God. about. Yeah. Um, is that competing with that is also the fact that that this is inalterably a man with charisma and charm. Yes. And when he said that little story, I didn't get the feeling of you know I got I got a little chuckle like that guy yes. loves holding hands. There's a yeah. and there is a real charm to him. I also like that moment that you talk about mm-hmm. in the interview with the Times where he has that moment with his granddaughter. Yeah, Bella, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there were some folks who would say, oh. Don't humanize this person that I dislike. Mm-hmm. My response is always, they're human. Well, like, I, yeah. They're I wanna, human. Please, I want to humanize everybody. Yes. Because if you, uh, and this is not, this goes for Trump or anybody. Yes. That you want, you want your leaders to see that, you want to see them as human because otherwise you have elevated them to a level that, yes. you know, or downgraded them to a level that is absolutely impossible to meet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. My three words are also Trump related. Mm. They are, shoes gonna drop. 
Mm-hmm. Now, these were three words that one of my favorite interviews in the show, uh, Miss Lena Waithe, she mm-hmm. talked to me, and she said these words yep. in terms of, like, life advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, John McCain has talked about shoes dropping mm-hmm. in terms of the Russia investigation, but I'm obsessed with this idea and, I guess, reality of the Trump administration where they keep acting like the shoe won't drop. Mm-hmm. The shoe drops. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it's the Trump administration Dropping the shoe themselves. Right. They're like, oh, I left my shoe over there. And some socks and an anklet. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so this Times interview where he has really weird revelations about his AG, Jeff Sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, Talks about talking about adoption. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is talking about sanctions. Yes, yes. The shoe's going to drop. We're going to find out. At some point, the Washington press corps, which is just like... A dog on the hunt. Uh-huh. They're gonna figure out who but was in the meeting. But isn't been sniffing that hard? Yeah, they're gonna figure <laughs> out who was in the meeting. They're gonna figure out yeah. who sh- who sent mm-hmm. the email. They're gonna figure. And so, like, mm-hmm. don't act like what you say and what you do won't come to light, especially. Mm-hmm. In an age where, like, one tweet changes everything in 10 seconds. Right. And this has been demonstrable for the last six months, right? It's like – and the only thing that I worry about is I agree – I think shoes are dropping every week. There are shoes. But it's now – But there are so many shoes that you – it's like, well, what's the one that – like, which is the Jimmy shoe? Like, which is the shoe we need to pay attention to? Yeah. Like, with yeah. the good heel. I love this mixed metaphor situation. We have like mixed my so many metaphors. Favorite thing. We yeah. have a bit of a shoe theme. We were talking right. about like apprenticeships and yeah. shoe My three words were almost dropping. Nordstrom anniversary sale. So, I mean, you know, I love it. I'm just saying. Yeah. I loved all those three words. We got a lot in there. Yeah. Yes. Go team. So many words. Go team. So many metaphors. <laughs> okay, we're going to stop right there, take a quick break. Uh, we will be right back really soon with Long Distance, where we call a listener and see what's up in their neck of the woods. BRB. A quick shout out to one of our sponsors who brings you this message. Casper, a sleep brand that offers obsessively engineered mattresses featuring Casper's supportive memory foam for just the right sink and bounce. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit. So try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com minute and use promo code MINUTE. Support for NPR and the following message come from Newsy. Newsy offers a fresh take on what's happening in the world through quick, smart, candid video news. Newsy is passionate about context, solutions, and challenging bias to bring facts, not speculation, to its video news coverage. Visit Newsy.com slash watch for the latest. We are back. It's almost time for us to go around the table and each share a new story from the week. But first, a thing we do every week, it's called Long Distance. Newsack. All right, we call a listener out there in the country and ask them what's going on in their neck of the woods. Today on the line, a guest from Salem, Oregon. Her name is Ilsa. Are you there, Ilsa? I'm here. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You are on the line with two of my really good friends and colleagues, Camilla and Barry. Say hi, guys. Hi. Hi, hi Ilsa. I love that name. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do you do out um, there in Salem? Well, I have a, a for, I primarily I stay home with my four-year-old son. Oh, what's his name? Um, it, it's Alan. Um, and then I also, um, I'm an administrative law judge, and I do unemployment insurance hearings, <laughs> which are over the phone. 
over the wait, unemployment appeals hearings over the phone. That sounds yeah. so intense. <laughs> I can't even begin to imagine. So you're dealing it, with cases where people are contesting their unemployment benefits or lack thereof? Yes, exactly. That's intense. Thank you for doing that work. Yes. That's intense work. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to... benefit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's up in Salem? Uh, happy Friday. Thanks. Yeah, so it's a, it's a beautiful day in Salem. Um, not a whole lot going on, although there's been a lot of eclipse hysteria. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was just looking at the front page of the paper. There's been like a new sort of warning about how intense it's going to be. So for those who don't know, this is a total solar eclipse. It's going to be on August 21st. It will be dark in the middle of the day. The moon will blot out the sun. This hasn't happened in decades since 1979. And Salem, Oregon is going to be a really big destination to see all of this. Yeah. Why is that? it, it's on the path of totality, they, they call it. Um, that sounds really severe. Know, it. <laughs> that sounds yeah, it's, it's the path of totality, and it's going to go across the entire United States. But within the path of totality, which is pretty narrow, that's where you'll see like the 100% eclipse, like the perfect with the you know sun corona behind the moon. Wow. And that's where it'll be the most intense eclipse viewing. Are you so, going to Airbnb your house? Like, or Airbnb your roof? People, I'm not. It was. It's been discussed, um, <laughs> but um, I think people are doing that. I, I think a lot of people are doing that. Or certainly, anybody who already has a rental property, the hotel rates are like doubled and tripled for oh. that night and that weekend. And they're expecting in the paper today. It said about half a million people will enter the oh my goodness Salem area. What's the population <laughs> of Salem? The population of Salem is probably about half a million. <laughs> You're going to double so. your population. <laughs> gonna be, like, what's your yeah. main center like? Like, is there, like, a main street? Is that just going to be flooded with, like, people in, like, khakis? Like, what? <laughs> khakis. Like, khaki shorts? shorts? I don't know. I was just thinking, you think there's a special, like, outfit for yeah, I, I think, know. yeah. <laughs> there'll be, yeah, there'll be a lot of fanny packs and khakis. Thank you. And, Thank you. Um, I appreciate that, Elsa. Oregon's a place to be for the next few weeks, it seems. It, it is. What are you going to do? Well, I have the luxury of um, sitting in my own backyard, um, <laughs> which has a nice, there's no, no tree cover even, which is somewhat rare in this area. Um, so I'm just going to barbecue and sit in the backyard all day nice. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. stay home. They're recommending no driving. That's like the biggest thing I've heard about is wow. that like the traffic will just be oh, I bet. Um, I bet. insane. I bet. So what are you going to do for fun this weekend? Um, well, this weekend is the um, famous Salem Art Fair, which is um, this beautiful kind of historic park downtown. I'm going to go there, and they have music and food. And I love Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. Yeah, there's always a festival. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, well, thank you for your call. I hope you and your son have a wonderful weekend. I hope those hearings on the phone don't get too intense. And enjoy that wonderful weather out there in Oregon. May your breezes always be sweet. Nice, artsy weekend. (laughs) Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. I feel like we should be singing Total Eclipse of the Heart. I told Brent, I was like, have that queued up to play at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, we want to talk to you for this segment. If you want us to give you a call and talk about what's going on where you live, email us. Drop us a note at any time during the week. Tell us what's going on in your neck of the woods, and we might get in touch. Sam Sanders at NPR.org.
All right, now it's time for the part of the show when we swap some news stories from the week that was. A story we worked on or didn't work on. A thing that we might be talking over with friends the whole weekend. Anyways, uh, Camilla, the newsiest of this bunch, I think, today. (laughs) What's your story? Um, So I got to write about the uh, artificial intelligence apocalypse this week. Whoa. (laughs) Explain. The the feared artificial intelligence apocalypse. So Elon Musk. Of Tesla fame. Of Tesla fame. Mm -hmm. Uh, was talking to a group of governors, and after talking about all kinds of different topics, energy sources, batteries, you know, Mm -hmm. Tesla, he then uh, was asked about whether robots are going to take all of our jobs. And, you know, there was like like a little ha-ha-ha, but also, (laughs) like, seriously. And Elon Musk was like, yeah, we don't actually, like, need to worry about that because the real fear should be that literally human civilization will end. (laughs) Because of the Thanks, same artificial dude. intelligence oh that, God. like, is fueling Why the, would this automation. Why would he say that out? So wow. what's interesting... What did his pupils look like in that, <laughs> that said? Elon Musk has been warning that artificial intelligence poses an existential threat to human civilization for years. But isn't a lot of years. his... Isn't a lot of the self-driving technology in his own cars, Tesla... A bit AI-ish? Yes. Yes, it is. And so this is his argument. His argument is, I have access to the cutting-edge labs where artificial Uh intelligence is being developed. And if you saw the things that I see, you would be as scared as I am. So Elon Musk is not the only person who's saying this. Stephen Hawking also Mm -hmm. is a big AI skeptic. Mm. Uh, Bill Gates has expressed some concerns. But Zuckerberg likes it, right? Zuckerberg's pro. The people at Google, Larry Page, big fan of. Okay, yeah. So lots of people are like, this is going to be great. This is a very valuable tool. People use tools mm-hmm. like it will work for us. Other people are saying we don't know what we're playing with. If we're successful, like truly successful uh-huh. at creating AI, we don't know what it will like want is not exactly the right word, but basically the idea is that it doesn't have to be built to be evil in order to actually wind up being evil because it's not human. Yeah. It's a totally different kind of intelligence Lord. if you actually create it. Literally, like literally, oh again, Elon Musk's Lord. fear is that it would kill every kill or enslave like everybody on earth for reasons that would be mysterious to us. So his what he says he's doing. I gotta soak this in. Do you need a moment with that? Again, like not everybody feels this way. Well now I feel that way. I know. Now I feel scared. I just wanted like Planet of the Apes style. Because you know I feel like I could talk to them. There's a great piece. Um, oh shoot! I should look up who wrote it. I'm it's I'm blanking on it right now. In Vanity Fair, it was about Elon Musk. I'm gonna let. Um, that's Maureen Dowd. She writes yes. Vanity Fair so now. She wrote this incredible piece Ooh. about Elon Musk's like extended campaign to warn humanity about the dangers of AI. And she talks to a lot of different people with a lot of different viewpoints. But one interesting example that she has is somebody who says, "Okay, here's an example of how this could go wrong. Uh-huh. What if you build?" an AI whose only job is to, like, make strawberries better and pick strawberries more efficiently. Cool. Like, that seems totally harmless. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. But you've now built something who thinks that success in the world is more strawberries. What if it terraformed everything to, like, make more strawberries? What if it, like, it doesn't yeah, value? Why cloud it over make? our why? houses to build right. more, make like, more strawberries. Yeah. They, and the, the other thing is we don't know what it actually would be like. Because we haven't actually developed the kinds of things that Elon Musk is truly terrified of. But isn't of every computer program if this then that, right? Mm-hmm. So you would hope that if if too many strawberries, then add French fries. 
you know? So this is this is the, the mixing thing about of the AI. metaphors today. I love it so. I, mean, I just We've want French fry. So AI, the way it's developed, is they're literally computers that are writing programs that humans didn't come up with. So okay, well now that's, I'm scared. So that's yeah. the great value of it is they can solve problems that humans haven't figured out how to solve. And machine learning is where you know we actually have computers that are coming up. Whether or not it's actually truly creative is you know a thing that I think philosophers yeah. mm-hmm. are arguing about. But they're coming up with solutions to problems that weren't written by people. We present the problem mm-hmm. to uh-huh. the computer. We teach the computer how to yeah. learn things. And, and then, then it, it goes l- off on it its goes own. and learns what well, works to fix the problem. So this is why Elon Musk is like, we don't know what we're going what we're to going. wind up know. with. So one thing that he's doing, and this is where a lot of people are suspicious of Elon Musk's agenda here and what to what extent he is a Cassandra-like profit figure and to what extent he's a snake oil salesman, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he has a group of people who he employs developing AI technology with the idea that it will be open source so that at the least there that like AI we is coming, but everyone will know what it is and that will be safer than it being developed in the bunkers of Google where no one will be able to see huh. it. That but, makes sense. But the other thing he says, and this is why what happened this week was newsworthy, even though this is like Elon Musk's three-year campaign to warn us all <laughs> of our coming end of civilization deaths. Um, he also argues for more regulation. Of government regulation. Government regulation of a technology that hasn't been quite invented yet. Huh. So he says that the government should be regulating the development really, of artificial intelligence. It's very rare that a leader of industry would argue for that. Mm-hmm. You can see the pain in his <laughs> eyes yeah. as really? he tells yeah. these governors, like, believe me, like, <laughs> it's irksome wow. to be regulated. <laughs> well, yeah. I do not love being regulated, yeah, right. but yeah. I think we'll all die if we don't oh regulate this. Like, that's his argument. Yeah. Well, and then, I'm paraphrasing. No, it's, this is all crazy. And what's so weird to me, besides that, <laughs> the, by the end of the week, he made news again oh, because yeah. he said that he and his company can make a speedy train that gets from D.C. to New York, Hyperloop, in 29 minutes. He also said he got verbal government confirmation. The the verbal was my favorite. That's not how it works. Anyone who's ever had to get anything approved by the government, and also which government? There are so many governments involved. When you're talking about something... my three-year-old that's like, Daddy gave me a verbal agreement for that (laughs) M&M. Like, their verbal agreement's happening all the time with my kids, and I don't respect them. Also, Also, I'm sorry, New York can't even make the F train run. Right now. Yeah, exactly. I don't expect just twenty nine minute mm-hmm. hyperloop. Yeah. Is the yeah. red line on fire? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh man, and but I it think... would be nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to bring the mood up a little bit right, and talk it. about Please. something really uplifting: private student loan debt. Oh my god! <laughs> Put the music back on. Right. <laughs> Have you guys been seeing these reports this week? Um, so basically, we all know that there are two types of student loans. Mm-hmm. There's federally backed student loans and private student loans. Uh, federal student loans have the backing and promise of U.S. taxpayers, mm-hmm. and the government will step in and make sure what needs to get done gets done, mm-hmm. usually, right? With private loans, the terms can be all over the place, varying on whatever bank you're dealing with, and the interest rates are usually higher, mm-hmm. and they can go after your money in some different ways, right? <laughs> so this week, there's been a flurry of coverage, first from the New York Times, that alleges that some $5 billion worth of private student loan debt will probably be or could be forgiven in court because the creditors 
can't prove they own the debt. Wait, is this actually an uplifting story? That is. It it's might secret be. Uplift. It's secretly uplifting. Like, it so, got there yeah. Yeah, in the end. Yeah. I know. So, backstory. As we found out during the mortgage crisis, a lot of times a single mortgage, a single loan can be sold and bundled and sold and bundled. And before you know it, it's passed through mm-hmm. five mm-hmm. or six or seven owners' hands mm-hmm. and it ends up with the creditor. But the same You're kind taking of... taking me back to 2008. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Planet Money, giant pool of money. Listen to it. Lays it all bare. Uh But this same thing happened in the private student loan industry. So there were private loans bundled and sold Mm -hmm. and resold and bundled and resold. And over the course of their path, paperwork got lost. (laughs) And so when it ends up in hand six or seven, they literally don't know if they have the promissory note or not, (sighs) especially for older loans because – before, like, the internet was all that it, it is now, there was just a paper copy. Now you sign a loan, there's an e-copy. Uh-huh. Before, there was not. So from loans between 1999 and 07, a lot of the promissory notes could just be lost because they're paper, right? So here's the deal. Um, if these creditors go after you for private student loan debt and it gets to default, they can drag you to court and then they can say, you got to pay this thing. Mm-hmm. There's been several cases, a few dozen now, where the judge says, all right, where's the paperwork? The creditors don't have it. Ooh. And then the judge says, sir, ma'am, you are free to go. Your debt is forgiven. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Go so in I, peace. I know, right? So I talked to an expert about this, Mark Kantrowitz. He's a student financial aid expert and a college planning author And he basically said, if you are ever in a position where a creditor is trying to take you to court, go to court. Definitely show up in court. If you don't show up, you get a default judgment against you because you're not represented. So the court rules in favor of the lender. And then with that judgment, even if you actually don't owe the money, it doesn't matter. The lender can do a bank levy with that. They can do wage garnishment with that. Um, And... And that's just because you never showed up. So I guarantee you, listener, someone you know or love Uh or someone that knows or loves you is dealing with this problem. Mm -hmm. Tell them to Google some stuff and figure out what they should do. Because they might not have a problem. Yes. Yes. Can you imagine when the judge makes that ruling, like, (laughs) go in peace and do good and do good. Do good with your college education. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, there's a larger story here that just keeps mushrooming. The student loan debt crisis, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Um, So student loan debt was the only type of debt that didn't go down during the recession. Basically, once the recession hit this last one, people were afraid to give out credit. It was harder to get it. But student loan debt continued to rise. Mm -hmm, Uh, Now it's only second to housing debt. Um, What's really crazy, though, is like, so we see this like kind of predatory lending happening first in the mortgage market, Mm -hmm. now in the student loan market. The next industry to face the same problem, the subprime auto loan industry. Yeah. It's happening there, too. Uh All I'm saying is read what you sign. Yeah. And go to court. Yeah. And keep your papers. Keep your papers in order. Hold on to your papers. Papers in order. Yes. All right. What's your story, Barry? Uh, so um, I've been doing a lot of TV on my show because, okay. you know, to mm-hmm. now is the season that we should all be indoors as much as yeah. possible. Also, sidebar, show. your show, you radio listeners, check it out. Weekend edition Sunday with the lovely Lulu Garcia Navarro. It's wonderful. It's really fun. And then it's also weekend edition Saturday. With oh, you the, work on both shows. Well, I do. I yes. do both. But so we've been talking to a lot of TV critics and so yeah. TV has been sort of on my mind. And so people have obviously, this is the, la- the, the, this is the second to last season Penultimate. for um, the 
penultimate season for uh, Game of Thrones. And so people have been interested to see what D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, who are the two creators of the series, um, uh, the two showrunners, they, I think George R. R. Martin might be have the credit as the creator um, who wrote the books. But um, in any case, they, they people want to see what they're going to do next because yeah. this has been a huge hit for HBO. So a press release uh, this week came out, which caused a little kerfluffle on Twitter, by which I mean a huge, like, mm-hmm. had my phone exploded. Oh, no. And because. it's because they, the press release um, says that the next show they're going to take on is called Confederate. Whoa, um, so, okay. And it's what you think, um, in that it is an alternate universe in which the South won the war. Now, The Civil War. The Civil, the Civil war. war. Um, so that means the slave stayed. So I think when it first came out, it was an alternate history in which the South won the war. And now we sort of know more that it's just like it was a stalemate. But there are two separate countries within the country. There's in the South country, and the North, and we are in the future. Slavery. Yes. For how long? So slavery, I don't know yet. Okay. We're going to have to wait, my friend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down. Okay. Um, but uh, but so this is this hasn't even started yet. Um, and the, I mean, obviously there is a glaring, like so glaring, I almost thought it was a joke, which is that, you know, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff are these two white guys making a show about what happened uh, with, um, you know, like if, if the South had one and we still had slaves, which has this feeling of like, is it going to be slavery fanfic? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be, yeah. you know, what right do you have to, um, particularly it's the alternate history of it. And, you know, it's this is something we talk about a lot in literature. It's something we talk about a lot in, in art. Like, how, who, who gets, gets to, to tell, tell this story? story? So, like, when Handmaid's Tale came out, I was like, okay, Bruce Miller, but, like, I don't need a man uh... running that show. Now, there are seven women in the writer's room, and to my taste for that show, the problem is there are no writers of color, and there is more the handling of race on that show. But, you know, so there is that thing. Now, there was a development, um, which is that um, – so in that press release sort of buried, which, again, it may turn out that HBO just handled this terribly, and also D.B. Weiss and David Benioff sort of in that sort of bumbling, mm-hmm. privilegy way. Um, but what were that the, the, this show is going to be created by four people, these two guys, and also Nichelle Tramble Spellman and Malcolm Spellman. Now, these are two writers. They're married um, very they well. They sound black. They, they are black. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, Spell, Malcolm Spellman was on Empire. She was on The Good Wife and Justified. They have a huge you pedigree. Had me on Empire. <laughs> but, um, but so Vulture um, interviewed them yesterday yeah. because there was so much talk about this that I'm sure HBO was like, we got to make everybody available. So they gave this really interesting interview. And we should know that the, these four people have had a relationship for more than 10 years, that they've been talking about this for a long time, that they're all executive producers on this, and that, mm. you know, Nichelle and Malcolm Spellman are psyched about it mm. and that they understand. And I thought, you know, one of the things that was really interesting um, was that Malcolm says, for me and Nichelle, it's deeply personal because we are the offspring of this history. We mm. deal with it directly and have for our entire lives, and we deal with it in Hollywood. We deal with it in the real world when we're dealing with friends and family. Mm. And he goes on to say that for him, this is about taking it into the present day, takes it out of that, he says, plantations and whips, yeah. kind of, you know, old-fashioned thing. Because it was says, more than that. So I'm not, like, I'm not saying yeah. this is a great you know, I still find I still find it really uncomfortable. It gave me like an icky feeling. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but the press release, the original one, didn't even talk about like 
the perspectives of slaves Mm -mm. in this future show. No. Like it talked about imagining a world where half of America was a slave state and didn't mention the idea that like slaves are people whose perspectives should be discussed. Yeah, this is an HBO press release problem in many ways. Which is so weird because HBO has been on it for the last several years. But can I just push back on the whole thing? Yeah. And say this. Yes. So Mm -hmm. I saw the kerfuffle in on Twitter Mm -hmm. as well. And for a second I was like, oh, they must have seen screeners. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. They have not. You haven't seen it. And I think that we're in this age where because you can tweet, you feel you must tweet, Mm -hmm. even about things you don't know Mm -hmm. about. No one has seen this show. Mm -hmm. No one has seen this show. And then my my, my second point, Mm -hmm. I – you see me. Yeah. I'm black. Totally. I am never going to tell white people, white artists, white creators – to not try to understand Mm -hmm. a world that's not their own. I want you to get it right. Mm -hmm. I want you to get the right perspective. I want you to do it justice. But I'm not going to tell you you can't do art about that. That's not what art's about. Like, people forget Steven Spielberg directed The Color Purple. Uh Uh-huh. And Amistad, which is also great. Amistad less so than Mm -hmm. Color Purple. But, like, I I know know a lot of black folks... Mm -hmm. Not a single one of us dislike the color purple. <laughs> you know what I'm there saying? Are humans that so do that. I guess what I'm saying here is one, wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And two, wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for one more quick break. When we come back, we'll play a game that I love called Who Said That? And we'll have listeners tell us the best things that happened to them. Yeah. Best things, yeah. best things. Yeah. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. If you're looking for top talent, with ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Let ZipRecruiter's powerful technology match your job to the right candidates and use their simple dashboard to find the right hire. That's why 80% of jobs on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just one day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com minute. I'm Linda Holmes. And I'm Stephen Thompson. There's more stuff to watch and read these days than any one person can get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour. Twice a week, we sort through the nonsense, share reactions, and give you the lowdown on what's worth your precious time and what's not. Find Pop Culture Happy Hour on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back, and it's time for a game that we all know and love. It is called... Who said that? Our editor Jeff said this is his favorite part of the show. I believe him. So I basically share a quote from the week, and you guys have to guess who said that. We'll do three and maybe a bonus. Ready? Mm -hmm. Lightning round. We got to move. Okay. Okay. First quote. We used to be a really nice, quiet street, but now we're just like this war zone. Is that the neighbors of the YouTube guy? What's his name? Um, uh, uh, Two first names. Nick. No. Frank. (laughs) Billy Joe. (laughs) Joey. Joey. My friend, I don't Jake remember. Paul. Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Have you heard Paul. about this story? No. So it's set <laughs> in West Hollywood. So, so this guy, uh, he literally calls himself a former Vine star and current YouTube celebrity. His name mm. is Jake Paul. Good bio, good bio. Yeah, he does a lot of online pranks in the vein of like Jackass, the MTV uh, series. Oh, Just like I'm a child of the physical 90s. pranks. Mm-hmm. Like this one thing he did recently at his house in West Hollywood. He uh, In an empty pool, he just started burning furniture. You know, as one does. That's the kind of stuff he does. Anyways, his address is public. He does these pranks at his house, and all these young girls and fans just come to, like, see it. 
And so it's just a mess. And the neighbors obviously hate it, right? <laughs> right. That's uh, so bad. Local like, LA, where's my couch? Yeah. Local L.A. news crew came out to do a story about it. And they get this one neighbor who says, it's like a war zone now. <laughs> Save us, please. <laughs> the neighbor's about to do like a class action public nuisance suit against this guy. It's a mess. Oh, my God. Perspective neighbor. Yeah. No, I'm just no. But you know what, though? If I there know. was a raging fire in the pool true. next to my house. Right. I would complain. It's true. Yeah. I would complain. I would complain. And this guy, so we also have a clip of this dude being interviewed by local TV. Uh, crew showed up, up to his house, and there's a crowd of his fans, and Jake Paul comes out to talk to him, and he's just not nice. What do you say to the neighbors, though, that are upset? And uh, they're really no. upset. No, I, I honestly... You can't beat them, join them. No, I'm honestly... Yeah, it's terrible. It's a bad situation. No, I feel bad for them, yeah. for sure. Uh, there's nothing we could do, though. The Jake Paulers are the strongest army out there. Dab. The Jake Paulers are the strongest army out there. Dab. Dab. And then he dab. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes on to just be really mean to this news reporter. Mm. All of a sudden, a prep rose and nothing. He just points at his shoes and laughs. <gasps> I have one question for you. Yeah. What are those? <laughs> and then he just runs away. After he, like, stood on top of the news crew's van. Not a nice guy, Jake that Paul. Not a nice guy. I'm pro-neighbors in this situation. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm against side. Jake yes, Paul. Yes, All right. Next quote. Okay. I really love this one. Uh, it is. I thought it was dope and figured maybe it was time to put some new rims on the Bugatti. <gasps> Who said that? Oh, God. Uh, the thong song guy. <gasps> You're on it today. Oh, my God. Cisco? Cisco's Cisco. back. Cisco's back. There's a remake of the thong song by a group called JCY, and they've got Cisco with the vocals. Can we play a bit of it? <laughs> it's really good. Oh my god, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I love the 90s so much. It's a Friday, and there's a remix of the thong song. It's with a little the video. Image. Video. Oh my god, I totally love it because I thought that song was a Bugatti. <laughs> it was a Bugatti. So uh, the song is back. It's really oh, good. It's all over the internet. And our friend from MPR Politics, Scott Detrow, is in love with this song. Oh. It's really good. Oh, my God. I can't wait to visit Scott Detrow at his desk. <laughs> and play this. And, like, totally. Like, say anything. Just hold up a boombox of the song song. From yes. the third floor. Like, coming for you, White floor. House reporter. <laughs> One more quote. Mm-hmm. Yes, that bullet hole ridden wall was originally there, and yes, we're keeping it. Who said that? Ooh. Oh man, I'm looking at you, Camilla, because no, you don't, cover more stuff. I don't think stuff. If I know that one. It's set in New York City, uh-huh. in Brooklyn, to be exact. Oh, okay. So somebody bought some real estate that mm. included mm-hmm. a, a. Should I just tell you? Yeah, yeah just like, tell us. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. We got a hipster so here. That's it's, really it's it's hipster involved. It's, some, it's yeah. hipster adjacent. Yeah, uh-huh. there's a new Crown Heights bar. Crown Heights is a neighborhood in Brooklyn mm-hmm. called Summer Hill. Mm-hmm. And the neighborhood hates it. Mm-hmm. They feel like it is the worst side of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Uh, this woman, Becca Brennan, 31-year-old attorney turned restaurateur. Oh, well, I'm already out. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, attorneys. Make your restaurants. She, she opens this bar, <laughs> and she tries to play up on maybe the darker side of that neighborhood's history. Uh, uh, like, for instance, there's a wall of the bar that has, like, some holes in the wall. She calls them bullet holes. But they're not. And instead of saying that, she just says, well, it it was a joke, you know. Uh, She also did this other thing where she said that she was going to sell 40-ounce bottles of rosé in paper bags at the bar, which a lot of folks took to be a direct insult 
right. to black people. Right, right. Um, oh, my God. The lack of... Oh, oh. So she's already apologized, but the neighborhood has bounced back. They've put signs all over the neighborhood on, like, telephone poles calling her out. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a community meeting and a protest. Let me make a prediction. <laughs> Summer Hill will not make it till fall. <laughs> no, that's right. Winter is coming for Summer Hill. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Can you tally at the end how many Game of Thrones references I'm the worst. Managed. I'm really. I, I get knew. the feeling that like Game of Thrones, love and hatred will be a recurring theme in this show for weeks and months to come. I'm sorry to say. It's okay. Listen, I relish the fight. Yeah, I bring it. I bring it. So, um, so who won the game? I mean, we all won oh, the game. My but God. Camilla won the game. Camilla won the game. <laughs> okay, we are almost done. But before, a plug for Tuesday's episode. You know, on Tuesdays we have deep dives, mm-hmm. me in conversation with one person or on one topic. Next Tuesday we've got a really fun chat. I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's me talking to actor and director Zoe Lister-Jones. She did this movie that came out last month called Band-Aid, uh, all about relationships and love and working things out. Awesome. Uh, Adam Pally from Happy Endings and The Mindy Project. Fred Armisen is in oh. the movie. It's real good. She made a band for the movie. I don't want to give the whole thing away, but one of the most interesting things about it is that she made this film with an all-female crew. Oh, oh that's cool. That sounds so awesome. So we talk about that, and we talk about mm, love, and we talk yeah. about diversity in film, and we talk about her band and singing live. Well, that and sounds she awesome. Was just, she was just so cool. So, sign me up. Well, I'm already signed up. Yeah. <laughs> good, Subscribe good. me up. Yes, <laughs> yes. So Tuesday morning, it'll be there. Also, while we are doing plugs, please, if you listen and you like this, do two things for us. Subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to podcasts, and leave us an iTunes review if you like the show. Those two things help us more than you know in so many different ways. It helps new listeners find the show. All right? All right. Good. Beautiful. Now it's time for the end, the part we've all been waiting for, the part we all love, when we ask our listeners to send us a recording of themselves sharing the best parts of their week. Ask them to brag, and they do. We have some here. All the joy. Joy. It's about to happen. Let's listen up. Hi, Sam. This is Bethany. The best thing that happened to me this week was getting to celebrate my brother's wedding. (laughs) Oh. It was really beautiful and just so full of joy and at a time that is maybe not the best. Um, Yeah. It was just really good to be surrounded by family and friends and to celebrate love. So that's it. Yeah. Thanks. Hi, Sam. This is Kristen from Seattle, Washington. The best thing that happened to me this week was that I found a therapist. That is some good stuff. Um, And I just got free cheesy bread at Domino's, so that's a plus. Get it, girl. Hey, Sam. This is Julio Mata from Denver, Colorado. Hey, man. And the best part of my week was completing my month-long hike across Spain. Wow. 470 miles on the Camino de Santiago. Nice. The best thing that happened to me this week is I met a really great guy we're going on our third date tomorrow so wish me luck good luck good luck my son turned one years old um you know even with all the stuff going on in the world it's good to look down and see the world from his eyes a little bit my husband and i paid off the last of our student loans which means we can start saving up for our kids college i just got off the plane from seeing my little sisters for the past week they're nine and twelve i moved out a few years ago when i went to college and it's so amazing to see what impressive young ladies they've become. I dedicated my dissertation to my grandmother who had to drop out of school at eighth grade, but always made me believe there was nothing I couldn't do. 
Hi, Sam. This is Sarah Triplett. And Rachel. I'm Aria. And the best thing that happened to us this week is that we got a new kitten. We named him General George Washington so that we can sing Hamilton songs to him. Hi, Sam. This is Lori from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the best part of my week was coming to see Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me in Chicago with... Nagin Farsad, among the other hilarious people. They're at the and show. it was awesome. I love NPR. Oh my God. Hi, guys. My name is Kentley. Um, I am recording this from Los Angeles, California. And the best thing to happen to me this week was when I received a call from my mom's oncologist, and she is officially in remission. Oh, so um, Wonderful. I am so proud of her for the fighting she's done and for everything she's endured. It's... It's going to be good. Hey, y'all. It's Laura from Minneapolis. Best thing that's happened to me all week is my husband and I found out that we are pregnant and we're calling our little baby right now, Frankie. And so every time I greet my husband, he says, hi, Laura, and hi, Frankie, and bye, Laura, and bye, Frankie. And it just makes me so happy. Take care. Have a great week, everybody. Keep up the great work on the show, Sam. Thanks. Thanks. The world is a beautiful place. It's so that beautiful. Was, so... was that Nikine Farsad, like the comedian? Yeah. <gasps> so I guess they taped that at the <gasps> end of a wait, wait. Oh my god. Taping. I love her. She's really good. Oh my god, that's so beautiful. Oh man. I think I have to go home instead of report more news. <laughs> <laughs> so special thanks to Bethany, Kristen, Julio, Lauren, Tim, Sarah, John, Aaron, another Sarah, Rachel, and Aria, Lori at Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me with. Nagin Farsad. Who was amazing. Uh, <laughs> Kinsley and Laura. Thank and you Frankie. Guys. Yes, Little and Frankie. Frankie. <laughs> and a shout out to Shannon in Georgia. Hope your son's feeling better. Also, Emma and Andrew on their honeymoon in New York. You guys, we get so many of these really great messages. Mm. Brent and I listen to them all, and they're just wonderful. We can't put them all in the show, but we're actually trying to figure out a way to just like put them all somewhere so yes. everyone can hear it. Just so, so when good. you need a, like a thing. When you need it, it should be yes. there. So That's a great idea. stay tuned. It's going to happen. I love that. Uh, until we work that solution out, thank you all for sharing them. Keep sharing them at mm. any time throughout the week. Record yourself. Send that audio file to samsanders at npr.org. Now, can I sidebar to share my best thing? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. It's from a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Um, the week that I was in New York to tape the rap with PJ and Zoe, mm-hmm. I got to New York. I go to the bureau. Uh, then I'm heading to my hotel. But I had to drop some things off at the hotel and then be somewhere at a certain time. My Uber driver got lost mm-hmm. really close to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, but before you know it, we're like halfway across the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. But still close enough to my hotel. So I'm just like, it's okay, I'll, I'll get out and walk because uh-huh. the Brooklyn Bridge mm-hmm. has a pedestrian walkway mm-hmm. in the middle. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of rush hour in New York City, in the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge, I tell my driver, just let me out. So I get out of the car. I'm like, all right, man, bye. It's fine. I'll mm-hmm. give you five stars. I just got to go. And then I realize the pedestrian walkway in the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge is fenced. And oh. you can't get on it unless you're at the end. So I'm stuck in traffic in the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge during rush hour. There's not even a real shoulder off the lane to speak of. So here I am with an oversized duffel bag. I I did not know what to Mm do. So I turn around and start looking, and there's an NYPD squad car a bit down the bridge that just are like on patrol. And they see me, I see them, and I'm like... What's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. And I started to walk to them. I had my hands up and just like, listen, I'm not uh, crazy. I promise. 
And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, listen, this thing happened. Da, 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 the Uber, but I, I got to go somewhere. Da, 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 da. And they're like, could you hop that fence? This is the fence keeping you away from the uh-huh. pedestrian walkway. Uh-huh. It's several feet tall. Mm. But I was like, you know what? That works out. I guess so. <laughs> and so these two officers go and find two or three traffic cones. Oh. They walk out into the traffic. They stop traffic on one side of the oh. Brooklyn Bridge during rush hour to let me walk by mm-hmm. and watch me hop the fence. Oh. I was like, I can't even tell you, one, how quick they reacted, two, how caring they were yeah. in that moment, and three, like, how they, like, actually just saved me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was the best thing of a few of my weeks, and I've been meaning to share it. Yeah. I'm sharing it now. Um, NYPD, if you're out there listening, find me on Twitter. We'll talk. I want to say thanks. We're done. Oh man! I Cue the like, music. I got right. I need some music because I got chills now. Yeah, yeah. Back in that convertible. Yeah. Mama, we made it. Oh. We're here. We're rolling to the end. Yes. With this one song. To the end. <laughs> yes. Barry, Camilla, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. This was fun. Super fun. I'm so glad to have you guys here. The show was edited this week by Jeff Rogers and Steve Nelson. It was produced by Brent Bachman. Brent's favorite thing on TV right now is Game of Thrones. He wrote that into the script. Uh, and I still stand by my comments last week. I wish all you Throners your very best lives because I'm living mine. Okay, okay, okay. All right, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for Zoe Lister-Jones. It's really a fun conversation, I promise. Until then, thank you for listening. And thank you, Calvin Harris, Future, and Khaled for this wonderful summer bop. Too much, then I'm way too gonna drive. I got a 